And then Jared Lowe, man, another top 10. Yep. I, uh, I'm mildly impressed, Jet. I think you're doing pretty awesome, bro. I, I think uh, y'all better stop sleeping on him. Stop yeah. sleeping on him. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's uh, he's got some potential, man. I think he's actually coming around, and this was a really solid result for Jared. He Episode 144, Tank Slapping Podcast. Another rewind. I know we gotta we gotta get some interview pods out there, but been a lot of racing lately. So we got another rewind show for you. West Virginia, uh, Mineral Wells, other side of the mic, Eric Hartley. What's good, dude? Not much. Yeah, it's uh Mineral Wells, not Mineral Springs. I know that there was some confusion there. <laughs> mineral wells. Yeah. And uh I've raced at Mineral Wells. I don't remember the year, but it was it's like an all-star hot shoe race. And I I know I definitely half-assed it. Like I, I think I left that morning. Like I had one bike. It was I probably didn't bring any tools. I, I I went and I did it. I don't remember even the year. I was trying to remember what year it was, but I think I got like third or fourth on the 450. Um so I have some time there, but I honestly do not remember much about it. Uh, so that doesn't help help for what we're doing here. But anyway, we watched the race and we have some really good insight and some thoughts on everything that happened at Mineral Wells this weekend. Want to make sure before we do all that, we shout out these sponsors that make it happen. Mission Foods, thankful for everything they do for the sport, the industry. If you can go out, buy some products, support them tortilla shells, tortilla chips, they make flatbreads, they make salsa, all kinds of stuff. So shout out to Mission Foods. I want to give a shout out to Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website, yamahamotorsports.com. Motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. Uh, big, big win for uh, Yamaha this weekend in the 250 class and Moto. Hayden Deegan got his first win, which was uh, was pretty cool, man. I'm a, I'm a Deegan fan. You guys can hate me, but uh yeah that was cool and then i want to give a shout out to bell power sports check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products we uh most of the top riders in the sport wear the race star flex the quality and safety is unmatched if you start tank slapping you want to be protected by bell let's get it popping man west virginia what, what do you what do you want to start with dude i'll give you the uh the opening the opening here yeah let's uh let's go into the singles uh yeah i uh well, no no Friday, no Friday. We're going to talk Friday, the track. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a minute. Um, what it are these Friday races? Are they amateurs or are they not amateur? Um, I'm going to get burned alive at the stake here, but it's gen- like it, me as a fan of the sport. That's the, that's the angle that I come on to these podcasts. And so I generally want to know, I mean, what, how was Carver able to race on Friday? I know for you, it's going to be a hot topic because you got burned alive at the stake for Sonoya, but I figured I would ask the question to you and and see what you think. Because to me, I j- what, what's going on with these Friday races? Because for me, it's like they're, they're meant to showcase to the pros and the pro teams like, hey, this is the next wave. But then we've got that you know, where we've got pros racing and I, I just don't know what the, the avenue is like, what, what is the focus of these Friday races? Is it for amateurs or is it for 
you know, like guys that want to come back and race or what? So sorry if I'm going to, you know, stir the pot this early. Yeah. Nah, first and foremost, <laughs> this is a funny topic. Um, First and foremost, uh, the race was kind of, it, it didn't go over so well. They didn't have a lot of riders. And I think a lot of that was, um, honestly, I, I didn't, you know, Rob, he's probably listening and, uh, much love dude, but, uh, didn't really plan a ton. Like the times and everything didn't get out until a couple of days prior. And Rob has, I'm not knocking Rob. He's got a lot on his plate. He's, he had a really good event Lima, but just stacking them back to back. I think that was, a, he bit off a little more than he could chew there. And it's not in a, it's not in a high populated flat track area. I mean, how many fucking pro flat trackers or amateur flat trackers are actually from West Virginia? Like, you know, I know it's near Ohio and Pennsylvania kind of ish. Um, the biggest thing with Pennsylvania is all the flat trackers are from like Harrisburg and East, which is like, there's three hours West of Harrisburg to get out of Pennsylvania and everybody's on the East mm -hmm. side of Pennsylvania. So wasn't a great turnout, which is a bummer. I feel, I feel bad for, for the uh, Rob and people that uh, tried to put that on, but uh, not only that, the weather looked awful. And honestly, that was like a deciding factor for, for me to go, like we were going to go and take Evan and, it looked like rain and I just didn't want to go drive, you know, 11 hour round trip and have a, you know, chance of it raining out, especially with all the traveling we've been doing. So anyway, going into what you're talking about, uh, the only issue I have with this is, well, a couple small issues, but some of them are just funny and ironic to me, but it's, uh, you know, yeah, when I rode Sonoya, like I'm retired, I announced retirement. I did not get my license this year i have no plans of getting my license i am technically an amateur rider right like technically by the by the rule book i am no longer a pro there's only pro or amateur like you can have all these gray areas but i'm a fucking amateur i know that sounds ridiculous and it doesn't make sense but i am technically an amateur rider and when i did the sonoya race i did it with the only intention of testing our brand new motorcycles on a clay track um, I didn't care about winning or, you know, the, the, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like I didn't care. I just wanted to go out and ride. Um, yeah, I got hammered. Like people were pissed trying to protest me. They were bent out of shape. And all I won was a cardboard check. Like there's no money. I, I want a cardboard check guys. Like it's not that if I knew it was that much of an, of an ordeal, I would have, uh, I just would have pulled off on the last lap. Like I, um, but Evan Renshaw, he was kind of shit talking me that morning. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to fuck around and find out. So, so I, <laughs> I did the race and then, yeah, people were bent out of shape, whatever, whatever. They'll get over it. It doesn't really matter. But going into, going into this one and people were pissed. Like they actually were really upset that I, Corey Texter rode that event as, as you know, I'm eligible. I was allowed to do it. I called AMA. Yeah. And Salant gave me the, the approval. You're allowed to do it. So I did it. Um, get over it. It was fucking very useful for our team. James, I went out the next day and got a second. Now, my only issue, and I don't even have an issue with what Carver did. Um, kind of a little bit, because I don't know. I, I would think he has a pro license still, unless he didn't renew it yet. But he has no intentions, from my knowledge, of not racing pro. He had an injury. He's kind of sitting out. Um, if he's eligible, fuck yeah, dude, do it. Like it was $1,200 to win at that point. Yeah. When, sure. when money comes into it, 
I mean, if there's an open age limit 50cc class and everybody is five or six years old and they put $750 to win, I'm lining up. Like <laughs> there comes a time when you you do like it's not like we make a ton of money in this sport. So for him, if he was given the okay, I have nothing against Carver for going out there and collecting a paycheck. I mean, that's a it's over a G bar. I mean, that's it's definitely worth it. My issue is when they posted that he won the uh, won the amateur race, everybody was like, "Hell yeah, congrats Carver." awesome job blah 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 and it's like holy shit man that's literally i joked around with you but that's like the c-tex effect it's like anything i do and i'm not crying about it it's funny but i get hammered for it and carver it's the carver effect like he is very well liked praised he just kind of chills does his own thing like whatever whatever i like carver he's fucking rad but he goes out steals money from all the amateurs like a lot of money and he's like celebrated for it. And I just think the, uh, the correlation between the two is, it was, uh, it's just f- funny to me that that's how it worked so, out. Do you think that, uh, moving forward, these, the word amateur should be a little bit more like, you know, cautiously used. Like if it's an amateur showcase, I suppose if you step back and look at it, you know, Carver went out there and showcase, he's still fucking fast. Right. So, I guess you can say, all right, you know, he he took the amateur showcase to its fullest extent, went out road. What was he on Dan Bromley's bike or something and showed that he's still good. So I guess that kind of falls in line. I don't know. I I just I could care less. Like, I have no issues with any of it, honestly. Like, it doesn't affect me. Like, it goes back to the hooligan thing where they should they don't want pros to ride. They will let pros ride it. Honestly, everybody had everybody we're all humans, right? We're all equal in this sense of the pros and non pros. It's just a fuck. It's just more work. Like guys put in more work to be a pro. Um, If you don't want to raise somebody that's labeled a pro and you cry and whine about it, I just think it's soft minded. (laughs) I really do. I mean, you're like, I would want to, I don't play basketball, but if there's an opportunity for me to go out and play a bunch of NBA players or play a bunch of fat people at the YMCA, even though I'd get demolished, I want to play NBA players. I want to, you know, I want to exactly. swim against Michael Phelps. Like I can barely fucking swim, but I want to, sw- I want to like go against the the best athletes in that sport. Yeah. And in hooligan racing, it's it's a a few dollars and a trophy. Like if you're nervous to race somebody that has a like, maybe like again, it's different opinions. I know people are going to fully disagree with what I'm saying, but I don't have an issue. The only issue I would have with that whole amateur showcase or whatever the hell we're, you know, we're on. If he has a pro license, like if he actually has a license, mm-hmm. then he's technically not even an amateur. Um, okay. but there's no, you don't have to wait two years or any of that. Like, I don't know where all that came from. The only thing you have to do if you're a pro and you want to race amateur the next year, an AMA rule is you have to wait one year to ride the amateur nationals. Like I couldn't ride amateur nationals this year. I had to wait. I have okay. to wait one year, which I don't, I don't, like, I don't really care. I'm just, that's what I was told from Ken Salon and Mike Burkeen from the AMA. Okay. So, uh, but if you're yeah, an amateur, right. like anybody that retires and they sh- want to go race, it's no different than like if Kenny Coolbeth or Jake Johnson or any of those guys that are actually retired showed up and went out and tried to win the amateur showcase. Like granted, if it's, couple hundred dollars and you know like lima i thought about lima 
because it was, they had a dash for cash there, but it was only like 300 to win. And I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not in the market to just go out and take every, take, you know, try to take the amateur's money, but $1,200 sign me up, like whatever. (laughs) No, I mean, that's definitely a good, uh, you know, hot take, if you will, on uh, the mindset, because I, you know, briefly you touched on it, like for the hooligan side, you you do you do deal with that a lot and i i agree like lining up at lima that was the most stacked hooligan race that there's ever been and i would have much rather been on the last row there than stay home and race a local race you know like it's just i I, yeah well and there's retired guys that are faster than the pros so it's really all relevant to who you're talking about like as an amateur rider because you're retired I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I would, as an amateur, I'd rather race the guy who, you know, the riders that finish in the back of the LCQ than race me off the couch, you know, like it's all relevant. The the pro thing is so relevant. There's pro riders out there who couldn't fucking win a 250 race locally. So, um, it's all relevant. And then you have, you know, you have retired riders, quote unquote retired, not me. I'm talking old guys, the cool Beth that could show up and whoop ass. I mean, it's, it's all relevant. That's why I think people stress too much about it, but it's the nature of, I'm not even going to say our sports, the nature of like the, this, this, this error, like everybody's just, everybody wants yeah. a participation trophy a ribbon. They want to line up with two riders and vintage light middleweight, two stroke pre 1980, whatever the class is two riders. And they want to go home and tell their wife they got second. They, you know, they don't, they don't tell everybody there was two riders, but it's all, it's all relevant. But anyway, I'm, getting out of hand here with this but no it was <laughs> it was definitely interesting that that whole amateur thing but uh but i would do the same thing carver did so um mm-hmm. yeah that that the the, the check cashes you know <laughs> so there you go there you uh, go it's all good but going into uh the track eric what did you think of the track uh prior to the race and uh what did you think of you know going into it and then actually okay. watching yeah so i've always been under the mindset of you prep a track uh, to the best of its ability. You don't let mother nature necessarily dictate how you prep a track. And so I know that there was a chance of like heavy rain. And so they held off on a lot of it, but then what it didn't, and it didn't end up coming until like right after the main events on Saturday. So you saw them having to chase the track all Friday, all Saturday. And I'll be honest with you. I thought it was shit during, I mean, it was dusty. It was, it, you couldn't see, I mean, it came around definitely, but they were chasing it all day. And, and I didn't feel like it allowed the riders to put in a proper practice session, a proper qualifying session. And I, I know that's the nature of dirt track racing, but I was, I was, I was very let down with the track um, throughout the day. I don't, I don't know uh, what your team thought, but that's me sitting on my couch being a Monday morning quarterback. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought the track was pretty good. Um, I agree. I think they could have probably watered it a little bit more and probably the incoming weather hesitated the track prep people, but I don't know. I've always thought that if rain's coming, it it almost, and I don't know, maybe this is just, a random Corey texter take, but I actually think, I don't think it hurts watering the track prior to rain coming. Um, 
if anything, it just, the water hits the other water and runs down the track. I don't know. I don't think it's any, I don't think it's, we don't yeah. put enough water on it when we water it to, if it ends up raining, it, it makes it that much worse. Like I always think, I agree. I think you should water it as if it ain't going to rain. And then if it rains then yeah. I don't know, it's already wet. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, especially because it was a car track, right? There was a bank, a natural bank, and it was a clay track. Yeah. So they ran on Friday. It's just going to roll to a certain extent, right? It, not yeah, it'll roll down the track. The yeah, yeah, so I was I was just kind of left scratching my head on that one. But once the track came around, um the racetrack was great. I mean, I don't I think the facilities were kind of uh interesting. Um you know, he saw a picture of the podium. Yeah, that was, was like, bad. oh yeah, this yeah. is prof- <laughs> this is professional racing. Cool. Yeah, I mean so, the grandstands yeah. were cool like the the grass whatever the grassy knoll with uh i thought that was cool and then they had the had like the uh the drone i think it was a drone shot of uh like them taking off with the grass and yada yada i mean that was i mean it's very it wasn't as scenic as ventura uh but (laughs) we don't really care i guess um but it was it was cool um i i do have to say that the last couple rounds they've kind of figured out that drone shot i'll call it like the running drone shot like that's badass. I got to, you know, sometimes I got to stop and give them credit for doing cool stuff and I really enjoy when that lines up and they they, you know, they nail it. It hasn't been perfect every time, but when it's on, like, oh goddamn, that's a cool shot. Uh yeah, it's cool. I wish honestly as a rider coach, I like to see exactly what Trent is doing wrong or I like to give Cody some advice or I like to see what Chad and James obviously okay, yeah. what they're doing and when it's a drone shot, I can't like can't see exactly you know I, it fucks up my view okay, a little yeah. bit so maybe don't do the drone shots on the start guys um no i'm just kidding it's fine maybe. it looks cool <laughs> i mean they could definitely do it like on the the first lap you know what i'm saying like do the, the traditional do it for btr do it for the btr <laughs> no it's go. fine no it's but... it is a cool shot and i thought the track was fine i think they they did a pretty good job with it i think the only small little thing i have is they could have watered it a little bit more before the singles main uh, as soon as they did the warm up lap, it was dry. And I think if we had a little bit more water in it, it and it's, it's, it's not like a big deal. Like the track was still, uh, above average. Like it was good. It, it was great racing. There was multiple lines, but I think a little bit more water, maybe I'm being biased because James Ott was fully committed to only riding the top and, uh, <laughs> it kind of went, it kind of got dry. So, um, but yeah. Overall, solid oh. job once again for uh, the track prep guys. Let's go into the uh, singles results. But that being said, too, after we um, after we go over this singles lineup, the results in the main event, uh, we're gonna have Cody Cop call in. He's uh, he's in my living room, so I'm gonna have him call in, and we can uh, I don't know, give him shit about not winning the dash. So going into this, Cody Cop was i wouldn't say it was my favorite but he was a safe bet to win on a track like this and he got the job done it was very dicey the start of the race he had to actually actually run down a quote-unquote rejuvenated trevor bruner i'll say he looked he looked uh more like i don't know the right verbiage but he had more of a purpose this week he looked like he had that extra little step where we've kind of haven't seen it as much from Trevor. Um, he's been, don't well, get me he wrong. Kinda, he's been, 
been a fifth, you know, fourth through sixth place guy, but um, yeah, he, it he happened last year it. too, where he came on strong at the end of the year. And I, I don't know the full story about what happened, but I mean, it kind of, it, you know, the last few rounds he's been doing a little bit better. And um, I wonder if it's just going to be the same as last year where Trevor Bruner just flips a switch halfway through the season and is a force because that was definitely some dominant last year, late in the season, Trevor racing. So it's good to see. Yeah. Yeah. He looked really smooth out front. At one point I did not think Cody was going to make up any ground, but uh, toward the end of the race, he was kind of Cody, like adjusted his lines a little bit. He started like cutting off a ton of racetrack going in in the turn three. Uh, He was losing maybe a 10th on the exit, but he was probably gaining three or four tenths on the entrance. And then he just sort of, Sort of got to the lead, and then he adjusted his line again, and uh, was able to pull away. It was a really, really smart race by by Cody, and Trevor didn't make it easy on him. And then going back from Trevor, I mean, I, I was shaping up to be a really good main event. The first probably six, seven, eight laps, there was six guys that were just dicing yeah. it back and forth. And then as the track got dry, a lot of riders sort of faded back. Um, you know, Tom Drain with the seventh, Max with the sixth, uh, Chad with the eighth. Um, we'll go into that, but it kind of split apart. James Odd, he was there. He had a good start, a pretty good start. But to be honest, I'm going to take away from his – I'm going to gonna be a little critical on the starts. Um, his starts were fine, but he was on the bottom of the track where literally the bottom was way better than starting on the groove on the banking. So Mm -hmm. you would have to really screw up your start on the bottom to get a bad start. So he was in the mix, but I think personally, James overcommitted to riding the high line for too long and he barely even tried to adjust. He just sort of was stuck out there and tried to make it work. I also noticed too, um, and, uh, you know, going into the main Chad and James, they look like the only ones who weren't shifting. And I think it actually that, hurt, yeah, hurt them quite exactly. a bit. Exactly. And I think, and I don't know his experience with downshifting, but I noticed that as well. And maybe if he wasn't comfortable with the setup downshifting, he knew that he had to stay high with that gearing setup um, because, yeah, he probably could have gotten a lot more racy towards the end if he did downshift when it went away. But, you know, that's hindsight. Um, but it was definitely noticeable that he, he wasn't so. Yeah. Uh, Trent, he was in the mix. I was a little disappointed. He lost touch with them guys. It looked like he was riding the bottom a little bit lower and it was working, but then the track, the track got dry and he really struggled once the track got dry. And I honestly, like I said before, the Hondas look like they really struggle on, tracks like that where they get dry they lose grip um these clay tracks they just don't have the same advantage that they do obviously on the miles but on on like tracks with a lot of grip so uh, i know those turner bikes are really fast and i think they just struggled a little bit with the bike um and, you know chase as well chase he picked some guys off there at the end but he was 5.7 yeah. seconds behind uh cody which is on a track like this this, that's a lot that's a big gap and then um going back to max he was he was right by chase i don't think they showed much of that battle at the end i don't i think chase got him maybe maybe max was catching chase i don't know i don't i didn't do too much data on on that battle but 
Maxi was sixth, and then Tom Drain was seventh. Eric, uh, he like Drainy was in the mix. I could see him at the tail end of like the battle early, and then he he faded back yeah. a little bit as well. So, and the thing that I've kind of noticed too is with that like top, let's say seven riders, you go down to Tom Drain, and we yeah Chad definitely a little bit, uh, but and we talked about this you know the other day this and i've had some people say oh you know the the west virginia races they were a little boring and i i can't disagree more that this race the singles especially was a racers race if you're a young kid with aspirations of becoming a national number pro rider this is the kind of race that you want to go back and watch i mean you know, like I said, like Trevor Bruner, the gap he put out in front at the beginning of the race, you do that at a local race. There, no one has the skill that these pros have to switch up lines to gain, you know, you know, uh, overcome that gap by just doing the little things. You just don't see that. And so there were so many little technical aspects on display during this race that it, as a racer that wants to be better, I, I sit here and say, God damn, I learned a lot watching that. And, and you know, Raspoli, when he was announcing, he talked about it. And the little things that I looked at, it just goes back to show that, like, you know, yeah, Lime is awesome. Springfield Miles awesome. But coming back to these tracks where you, if you're just a hair too aggressive on that throttle, you're going to wash out. And just to be able to see the pros, how they overcome that, how they, you know, switch up everything. I mean, just... If I, I'll go back. If you're a young kid wanting to get good, go back and watch this main and just take notes. Yep. I would agree. It was a uh, very, yeah, these guys are pro for a reason. <laughs> so it's they the racecraft thing is something, the biggest, biggest difference when you go from an amateur to a pro that you need to learn, you know, the conditioning is one thing, blah, blah, blah. The most important thing in my eyes is racecraft. And that's something that it's a little bit natural too. Uh, there's some guys that are really good that struggle with the racecraft more than others. That's the hardest thing to to learn. Like you can learn to be more talented almost more than you can to learn the racecraft. So um, yeah, I'd agree 100. percent Going into eighth, uh, man, we have a bunch of kind of like head scratchers here. Um, you know, eighth Chad, which Chad was second all day. I, I think he also struggled with not shifting. I think that really, really um, kind of hurt both both the first impressions riders when the track got dry, especially in the lines. The line moved down from the top a little bit. I think they just looked like they were bogging a little off the corners and didn't have good forward bite. But nonetheless, Chad did make a late race move on Dalton, which was good. I was you know, usually Chad is a great starter and kind of struggles toward the end of the race. But in this race, he was actually making, making moves at the end, which I was, I think as a rider coach, I was proud of, um, Gautier and ninth, uh, man, I did not expect this at all. I thought Dalton was going to have a stronger weekend. He's really been struggling, but it was mile racetracks and it was a cushion where, you know, they don't seem to have a really fast bike and he kind of always sort of struggles at Lima but on a racetrack like this, like I look back at Port Royal on the uh, on the Vance and Hines XG where he he kind of kicked our asses and uh, yeah, just a little off from Dalton in uh, in ninth place, and then Jared Lowe, man, another top ten. Yep. I uh, 
I'm mildly impressed, Jet. I think you're doing pretty awesome, bro. I, I think uh, y'all better stop sleeping on him. Stop yeah. sleeping on him. Yeah, I, I think he's uh, he's got some potential, man. I think he's actually coming around, and this was a really solid result for Jared. He was up there in the qualifying a little bit. I saw his name up around farther up on the list, and shout out to uh to Jared for sure. That's that's awesome. Absolutely. And then Mishler, another one, another head scratcher. I for sure thought he would come around on these clay half miles and you know he's 13 seconds off cody uh you know he's 10 seconds off trent his teammate so i don't know what's going on i don't know what's going on with merg he doesn't seem overly concerned like when he does his rider introductions he was i think he came through the lcq and oh he looked cheerful and happy and just yeah Merg yeah, there just, for a minute he was uh he was outside of the transfer in the lcq too so i was watching that i was like oh shit and then he kind of like kicked it into gear uh and and made it into the to main or whatever but yeah i'd be interested to see uh had to be a fly on the wall in that camp yeah yeah and i don't know i don't have any insight there but i know he's struggling like i think he would you know admit himself that he's struggling right now and yeah, I mean, you gotta. I think step one to making it better is you. You gotta care. I mean, I fuck, dude. I don't know. I know I wouldn't be. I wouldn't look that happy, and I'd be a grumpy fuck if I if I was starting that far back <laughs> in the uh, in the grid. And yeah, and Merg. I mean, that's cool. His personality is really cool because he just you know loves loves riding motorcycles. But I'm sure yep. he's getting a little frustrated with uh, with the uh, results here. But. Going into 12th, we got our first triple dig. Logan Eisenhard, he looked pretty good, man. I, I thought he rode really good this weekend. Shout out to him. He's had a couple tough races and inconsistent results. And yeah, got one some... thing that I was going to ask this about is I've just kind of seen the Waters Auto Body team like kind of bouncing around between to, between riders. Have do you know have they said whether or not that it, all right when Logan rides, he's going to be us, but you know. When, a, B, or C rides, it's going to be them. Because it's just kind of been, um, you know, as a fan, you know, you try and follow teams and stuff. Um, it's kind of been all over the place with riders. So I didn't know if you had any insight on that. I have no idea, man, honestly. I, I think, honestly, they were supposed to come to the coin or one of the races and they couldn't come. I know Dave and Rhonda, they they work full-time, full-time job. Like, I still think, obviously, they have the auto body okay. business. So I think, yeah, I think they're just... Mm-hmm a mom pa sort of operation and just helping people okay. out. I don't think they have, uh, wasn't Tanner Dean that the rider and then he sort of yeah. pretty retired. So, um, but I heard he might okay. race again, actually. I heard some insider. I heard he might race, but, uh, anyway, yeah. So solid result for yeah, you know, Eisenhart. So you want to know where Tanner's riding? Isn't he on your you hooligan bike? He's going to, yeah, he's going to ride my hooligan while All I'm right. injured. Yeah. Do it. Yeah do it yeah let's go <laughs> uh for eisenhard he's winning rookie of the year i think i wouldn't say he's been the most consistent rookie i think these good results help him out like i think daytona he had like a top 10 and um i mean yeah. you can make five main events but if you're finishing 17th or 18th in those five main events you get five points like you you know and then you go out and you get one i mean if one rookie showed up and they won they won a race they would probably be borderline winning rookie of the year. So yeah, having those great, like a 12th is pretty good for a triple digit in the overall points because they're scraping right now. I mean, one or two points here, one or two points there. Uh, I mean, we'll look into that. Actually, I'll make a note, look at the rookie 
rookie standings. I'm just kind of curious because honestly, being a rookie in the singles pays 20 or no, $7,500. I think it is. So that's kind of a big award for these kids. That's a, that's a good chunk of money for somebody like a rookie. So, um, so solid result, Cole Zabala 13th, Travis Petten and Terrence Santero. It doesn't help that I mix these two kids up because well, they're not young adults now, but they always finish kind of near each other in the points. So, yeah. uh, or in the results, my bad, but no, I, I know the difference now. Uh, Travis always has a backwards hat on for rider introductions. I like it. He looks a little bit like Fred Durst when he, cause I don't think he's got a <laughs> snapback either. Right. It looks like a, is that a fitted hat? I think he wears uh, a fitted I would, I'd have to go and look. I just, I just remember him because his picture on his AFT page is a high school yearbook picture. So that's how I always remember Travis him. Patton. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh yeah, that is golly. <laughs> Get that updated Travis. What's Terrence? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, Let's see. What a what a young buckaroo for Taryn. Oh, it looks, oh my yeah. god, he looks like he's in the DMV getting his driver's license. Oh yeah, license. I love it. I've never really looked at all these. They're pretty good. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. Ragios is at uh Ragios is he's in his full leathers. I like that. Let's go. All business. Business. Zabala. <laughs> that's like short hair error for Zabala. Mishler has like his full leathers as well. I'm gonna do a couple more. <laughs> Jared Lowe's is really funny. <laughs> he's got like a mullet and this was like free weight loss jared so he, he looks like he's ready to hit it freaking dingers like out of the stadium right now <laughs> i love it did you see it yeah I'm, oh my god i'm in tears <laughs> <laughs> that's so good that is oh, classic boy. jared let me text cody and tell him to call in a while while we finish this up just to give him a call in and <laughs> Call and stay mute. Okay. So I want to give a shout out to uh Moto America, our uh one of our top sponsors for a couple years now. Laguna Seca is next. Iconic racetrack, Laguna Seca. Everything from Nikki Hayden winning MotoGP races there to the corkscrew to man, just everything about that part of the country and that racetrack is so iconic. And they have uh racing. So go check them out on their website, go get tickets. If you can't be there in person, their live plus package is just amazing. So uh, make sure you check that out. They have baggers at Laguna, which is a big selling point, to be honest. And we got our man, James Rispoli, riding the bagger. Our our guy, Frankie Garcia, is on the bagger. We'll we'll make it into uh, – we're going to talk about Rispoli then, too, and his new gig at the end of this deal because he was the uh, – he was the Ralph. He was the Ralph for the weekend. So we'll go into that. But Tyler Raggio – in 16, so we had three California riders, 14th, 15th, 16th. Uh, Aiden Rus Evans, the water boy, he was 17th. <laughs> Shayna really struggled. Uh, I thought maybe provisional too. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a good move taking her provisional because like early on she wasn't bad. I think she was like around the top no. 10 in qualifying and yep. stuff. But when the track gets slick, she really struggles. She's always struggled on slick racetracks. Um, and yeah, it was not a good result, honestly. So she uh, she had some other stuff going on this weekend that she was struggling with, and I think she'll be she'll be better off at at New York. Just her own her own stuff going on. So she was she was 18th, and Hunter Bauer he must must have had a mechanical, right? He was yeah, he had a mechanical, yeah, nine laps. What he was the, he was looking? I don't remember what it was, but he was looking good earlier on in the day. So what's the mechanical? Do you know what it was? I don't. I just uh, I remember when they were talking about. Um, you know, he's a Canadian writer and yes, most Canadian writers are 
our cushion specialist, but the track closest to Hunter Raspoli was talking about was very similar to this one uh, there in Ontario. Well, so and yeah, wasn't surprised. Yeah, well, and yeah, so he well, said he, he wasn't podiumed. surprised. He was doing well. Yeah, he podiumed Wheat Sport yeah. the one year I think it was, which is literally the slickest yeah. track on the schedule, and he uh, he got a podium <laughs> there. So definitely not not overly surprised, honestly, that he had good speed. So um, yeah, so that was your. Your singles class results. Let's go into while we're waiting on while we're waiting on Cody. Bro, mute your phone for a second. Oh, amateur hour. Golly. (laughs) Is that uh I don't know if he muted. Okay, he muted it. Okay, so you need to go, you need to take it off speaker, Cody, and go out in the garage and hold the phone near your ear. I don't know what the hell is that what what that was about. (laughs) Um so Quick, I want to go over these standings while Cody figures out technology. Uh, we got <laughs> the singles class. Cody's opening up a pretty healthy points gap, honestly, at this point in the year. Uh, I think he decided I need to stop sucking, and he won two races in a row. So he's opened up a 40-point gap over the best points battle I've seen minus Cody in a long time in this class. You got Max Whale, yeah. 176 points. Sadhoff, 173. Bruner, 173. Gautier, 166. Trent Lowe, 165. Draney, 164. Um, you That's literally awesome. have 12 points separating second to seventh. That is unreal. It's sick. Uh, yeah, especially because second and great. third is, you know, they get they get paid for second and third in the points. It, there's definitely yeah. some incentive to get up there. Yeah, it's just too bad Cody's uh, really selfish and has all these points. Uh, no, it's, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. Honestly, he needs to have a decent points gap going into Springfield because I just, I mean, obviously in the yeah. miles, they, <laughs> they sort of struggle compared to these Hondas. But yeah, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, Cody's doing what he does. Let's bring him on. Let's see if uh, the 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 phone is better. But uh, Cody Cobb, what's up, man? What's up, guys? As uh, you were, did you have it on speakerphone? Why were why was it so weird? I think because I was right outside the room, so it was like loud and echoing. Oh my gosh! All right, I'm very <laughs> I'm very proud with his audio. It's not terrible. I'm very impressed. Good. Good. Uh, what are your, what were your thoughts on the track, dude? And uh, what do you what would you compare West Virginia to uh, compared to previous racetracks? I'd uh, I think the track was sick. It had potential to be even better if they would have kept a little more moisture in it. Come later in the night, like after the the BTR main, I feel like we should have got some water on the track and maybe we filled it in. But uh, I think the track was good. It was definitely racy. There was a couple lines that were really working in the main event and. I'd compare it closest to Port Royal, and I think that's why I liked it so much is Port Royal, my first pro podium, and I won there last year, and it's just a fun track, so lots of lines develop. It's more of a rider's track, I feel like, and no, I'd compare it closest to Port Royal, maybe a little more square corners than Port Royal, but yeah. So what did you think of um, – so we, we talked about the track. You, you know, you, you like that. What about the facilities as, like, you know, as a professional athlete – you know, the, the current number one, like there's a level, you know, that, you know, AFT wants to put out there. Did you think that West Virginia stacked up? Did you think it was a little eye opening? Just, I mean, for what you possibly can, can say, what did, what did you think about it in, in the podcast, Corey and I have kind of said our, what we thought, uh, just kind of listened to, you know, what, what did you think as the writer? 
It was it was definitely a cool venue. Uh, there was like the amphitheater seating on the front straightaway that to pack that you'd need probably 15,000 people there. So it definitely made our crowd look small. But I think there was actually a decent amount of people like pit walk was packed and for awesome. uh, kind of middle of nowhere. It was it had a decent crowd and there was that big chance of rain that everybody was worried about. I know some people weren't even showing up because of the chance of rain. So um, that definitely might have hurt the spectator count, too. But no, there were some so when... hard, uh fans so when you do these events and you know you can you know when a, a race is well attended or you've got rowdy fans like how much can you hear that like obviously with a helmet um going on at the motorcycles like but when like you're doing the trip you know you're walking up and you're doing your introductions like these races that have rowdy fans and stuff do you feel that energy does it like amp you up yeah, I uh, oh, yeah. You definitely you don't you don't hear it much. Obviously, racing it's not like I don't know supercross or anything like that. When you're off the gas, you can hear them in the air or something. But um, yeah, no, we can we can hear them on walkouts, and it's pretty cool that when they announce your name, you know, and Scotty announces, you wave to the fans, whatever. They're uh, always diehard Shayna fans. I think everywhere we go, she gets ten times louder yeah. cheers than anybody. But uh, <laughs> um, no, it was kind of cool. funny think- too. She was uh, she took a provisional. She she was starting like. 19th or 19th and they introduced her and she was like grumpy kitty because she's just struggling <laughs> and then they like announced her and she like forced a smile and a wave and then she went right back to being pissed off it's kind of funny but. it was kitty. the loudest cheer that's for sure but uh no i think castle rock i think is a cool one just i think the fans yeah. there are, they're rowdy and they're all there to have a good time so I, that's a that's a fun one fun atmosphere and i think that they're all okay. cool it just it depends on what part of the country you're in and how much they really like so and my last question about you know you know hearing the crowd and stuff did what did you hear at lima when they called you cody cop number 12 did you hear that i didn't hear it until (laughs) i watched uh watched it over right after we went out and did it and went back and watched it and i was like nice number 12 i I see jared used the same intro i had last year (laughs) uh Another uh, track, a couple of tracks that I, I mean, Lima is a big one. Um, when you win at Lima, the crowd goes wild. They're super awesome. That was a, a really cool memory for me. But I always liked OKC Mile where we kind of walked out between the the grandstands there, like under the tunnel, and they kind of played music and introduced you. And I think that's cool. And I'm glad they brought rider introductions back, honestly, because they kind of went away from it for a while. I think like 2021 or maybe even last year, we didn't like do rider introductions for a long time. And I think that's a vital part of the program. So the riders, uh, you know, cause none of our riders are amazing with social media as it is. So for the fans to see what the riders look like with their helmets off and, you know, you can kind of decide who you want to root for based on whether or not it's incorrect or correct, you know, root for someone based on the way they look too. I mean, that's part of, you know, rowdy reality TV shows, you know, you, they hire good looking or not good. You know, you root for or against somebody. And I think that's a important part, but anyway, Cody, I wanted to talk about the dash for cash, man. Uh, How much does second pay in the dash? Is it just a winner? It's a winner take all. So uh, Bruner, yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. I I knew, I I know what it is. Got me. Got me. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. I know it only pays the winner. Um, but I mean, you've won like 12 of those. So yeah, I was, yeah. What, uh, did you panic after that? I mean, obviously it was a close finish, but going into the main did, uh, was, was Bruner the guy you were kind of looking at? I mean, what was, what were your thoughts with the competition going into it? Yeah. I mean, after the heat race, we, I mean, 
kind of checked out in a sense, not not a full checkout, but we almost had a full second in the heat race. So you have a little bit of confidence there because to build a second on a car track is pretty hard. Um, and then get the dash and confident going in. Even, I mean, Ott was going quick in his heat race. He did faster times. So going into the dash, he was kind of the main the main focus. And um, no, Bruner, was, he was riding good. And we were battling up front. I think I led everyone but the last lap. Or maybe, maybe he got the last two laps, but... I did this line off to every lap that I was like, oh, for sure I got him covered. Um, and then right off four, he just got a better drive than me and went right by me down the front straight. So it definitely fired me up. I feel like that was something that helped me at Lima two years ago um, or one year ago, I guess, when Tom won that dash. I was very confident all day, fast qualified and won, won my heat race. So like that's a, it's a good little uh, reality check kind of and get you fired up for a main event when it really counts and pays the points. Well, let me ask you this with you with these dash for caches let's say um you know have you ever had one where you felt maybe that you 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 were off a bit and you but you somehow got into the dash for cash and did and you just use it as an opportunity to try something really quick or if there's a dash for cash where you you do fall off or something do you ever just kind of find yourself saying all right let's just use this as is more practice this time like walk me through that do you ever do you ever use those just to like better yourself for the main event so actually we we really like to use these dashes for uh some testing purposes like i think i've been in five or six of them this year so we use them pretty much every time unless we're just dialed in like i felt like daytona was just uh go out there and do some do a couple more laps before the main event but everywhere else mm -hmm. ventura here at uh west virginia we were we tried a couple things on the bike just to take it as an, another opportunity to test to see if we can get that other edge that we we might be looking for <laughs> for the main event and we tried something at west virginia and actually ended up putting a little bit more into that direction for the main event because i liked it and it definitely uh, i think ended up paying off we were able to kind of i felt like i was one of the only guys that could make the low line work and make the high line work in one and two and three and four was kind of just everybody was on the same line up top but my bike definitely was uh, dialed in after that dash for cash, being able to test some stuff. Uh, going into where we're at this point in the season, <clears throat> uh, looking at the points, I'm looking here now. There's seven more races, right? Seven more, mm -hmm. two TTs now, two miles, three half miles. You have a pretty solid points gap, but uh, behind you, it's, there's a gaggle of riders and all different brands and guys that excel on tts riders who are great on the miles with whatever package they have engine package guys uh <laughs> excel on the miles there's guys that are short track guys so it's close like it's up for grabs right now uh who do you see making a push with the schedule the way it is behind you where i wouldn't say you're concerned but you have your eye on that rider uh, I mean, obviously it was, uh, unfortunate for Turner and chase for that mechanical there at Lima. Cause he had it down to nine points, but I think that the three miles really hurt us. And I, I had to come out and kind of make it, make it known again, we were still here to fight for a championship. So we got these last two wins, but I think rather than chase, I think he's going to be very consistently top three, top four, like he was all season. And I think Max is going to be strong. He's a heck of a TT rider and I think this last weekend was just kind of one of them days where you're not gelling with the bike. Cause honestly he was uh, the guy to beat two years in a row at Port Royal and, and he goes good on car tracks just like at Sonoya. So 
I think it was just kind of a fluke deal at West Virginia for Max, but he's going to come on strong this weekend. New York, New Jersey, those are tracks he likes. He won he won Peoria before, and you know, he'll be uh, tough to beat for sure. He's going to come on and come on strong. Uh, I want to chime in, actually. I'm looking at the points, and I just noticed Bruner hasn't finished worse than sixth all year, which is yeah. he's he's fourth in the points, but three, six, four, four, six, five, six, four, six, five, two. I mean, that's it's pretty yeah. crazy because a Everybody, lot of you guys have like – like you have a 10th Cody uh, yeah. Max has a seventh and an eighth chase has a 10th and eighth a 19th, which was the uh, mechanical Dalton has a seventh, a 10th, an eighth, a 13th. Uh, well, it goes Trent, back to Trent too. Essenson, Trent has, yeah. Well, Essenson has a field of robots. Remember we've talked about this with, with Dallas and JD, you know, and Trevor and Tom, they're all robots. So they're not computed to be able to do worse than that. So it doesn't shock me that the robot Trevor hasn't done worse than six. No, yeah. Trevor's a, he's a very consistent rider. Like you can't count yeah. him out ever. I think he, he struggles with kind of coming out firing to start the season, obviously podiumed one of the Daytonas, but I feel like in the last two years, we've seen it two years in a row of how strong he comes on into the season and starts clicking off a couple of wins. So you can't count him out. He's really good at black Hills. He won there last year. He's good at castle rock. He won, or got second there to Dalton, but I mean, you can't count any of these guys out. You have one mechanical and everybody's back in it. So we're, uh, yep. We'll be ready. Yep. Tell Andrew to get to work. We can't have any mechanicals. Exactly. (laughs) I got one more insider question. Uh, Out of the riders who haven't won this year, I'm looking at Sadhoff, Trevor, Mishler, Ott, Chad, just kind of sticking in the top 10. Which one do you think could possibly win with the remaining races on the schedule? I think Chase Sadoff. Uh, he's been so close a, a handful of times. I know we battled hard at Ventura and all those miles. He was on the podium three miles in a row. So uh, I think Chase will get his first win this year at some point. I, I mean, obviously, I would hope to keep my momentum going and, and not let anybody else win. But in all reality, those miles at the end of the year are going to be right up Turner Honda's uh, alley. So. I could see him doing something there. What gearing did yeah, you so, have? I got a question real quick, Eric, and I'll let you chime in again. Yeah. What ge- what gearing did you run at uh, West Virginia? Hold on. Let me get my pen out. Shoot, I don't even know. <laughs> you don't know the gearing? No, I ran second and third gear all the way around. Second and third? Not first yeah. and second? Second and third? No. Okay. I started enough. in fourth and then downshift into turn one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Eric, you got a, one right, more so, for Cody, and we'll kind of let him go. One more for Cody. Yeah, so you've got 12, what is it, 12 career wins. You mm-hmm. started like last week, so good, you know, good clip right there. But do you think at the end of the year, or maybe the beginning, maybe one or two weeks, you'll have surpassed Corey so we can finally shut him up? Uh, he's pretty far out there. I'm different class, but I, I still consider it the same because they're both, yeah, obviously not the premier yeah, class. Sure. And I, uh, I don't see it happening this year. That'd be pretty tough to, I'd have to do both those miles at the end of the year as well. So even if we'll you, find a, uh, if he won out, he'd have 19, motors. he'd have 19. Oh, so really? He, oh, yeah. that's right. What are you, what are you at? 20, 20 something? 12. I'm at 20, I, I guess 20. Okay. Yeah. But if you count next, cause year. I have an expert twins win in like 2007 <laughs> before he was born. It probably. counts. No, it counts it for counts. sure. It was, that was a hard race. I'll take that one for sure. When were you uh, born, Cody? Two thousand four. God, Jesus Christ! 
Evan was born in 2007, which is crazy. It's crazy. I was that already hurts a pro. my soul. I know it sucks. <laughs> oh man. Well, you're here for two weeks, dude. We, uh, we're actually going to Frederick tomorrow. I'm going to make, uh, Cody tag along. Uh, I probably, I decided it probably wasn't the best move for Cody to go out and race, race Frederick right now. But, uh, but Cody's <laughs> tagging along and yeah, we're doing some training this week and hanging and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it's actually awkward. He's in the in the other room, but it definitely wanted to have him on. He's never been on a rewind pod, Eric. I thought we've had him on it before, but he said no. no. I haven't been on a rewind. No. I've been on just like an interview pod, like preseason, but other than that, nothing. Yeah. Well, appreciate you. There you go. Calling in from the living room, bro. And yeah, fans yeah. will appreciate it. They'll dig it. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks, guys. We will uh, go back to work this weekend in New York. All right. Cody Cobb, guys, good little insight from Cody. Yeah. We're going to dive into the Super Twins main, Eric. You want to take the top three, kind of go over that a little bit? Well, do you want to do uh, BTR first, or do you want to uh, uh, do Super yeah, let's, Twins? Yeah, let's do BTR. We'll give the give the girls a shout-out. That was actually a really cool race. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was solid. Morgan Monroe, she didn't get a great start. She was kind of the rider to beat all day, which actually made the race exciting because – Zaria actually looked really good out front and for for a while there I thought she was gonna maybe pull it off but Morgan Morgan did her thing and she was shifting the bike which is crazy those things are they're freaking heavy heavy bikes yeah. that don't shift well and she was she looked like she was shifting so she shifted it and yeah she pulled away and got the win Zaria was second Kenzie Luker was was third I want to give a special shout out to Shasta, uh, number 67, she had the best tuck of the entire weekend. She was coming off full tuck, and it was awesome to see. We, Me and Rancho, every time she tucked, we were fired up because, honestly, on a bike like that, it probably made a big difference, and she was yep. fully committed to the tuck, and she rode very well as, uh, as well as uh, McKenna uh, Hyatt. I don't know. I don't think I know them too well, but uh, – the five of them actually were really dicey at the front, uh, and that was cool to see. So shout out to uh, the girls yeah. and shout out to Morgan for another win. It's really cool. Yeah, shout out to McKenna. She rides up here in the Northwest, and uh, I've actually raced with her a few times uh, in the Hooligan class. She'll bust out the uh, Royal Enfield, and she's definitely got a lot of talent. Um, I think, I think as with most of these girls, it just comes down to it's hard for them to get seat time on these bikes. Um, but it's the nature of the beast, uh, with the program that they have set up. But the one thing that I noticed, uh, on a lot of these bikes, you know, from like fifth down, everybody seemed really, uh, like they were really, the suspension was super soft and bouncing all over the place, but Zaria and, uh, Morgan, their bikes seemed a lot more fluid, uh, a lot calmer on the, when they would give it gas or when they would slow down, um, so I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to see what the Olin suspension setup for a lot of these bikes were. Yeah. And I'm going to chime in just like coach Corey. Like, I don't know what all these ladies are doing on the off weekends of BTR. Cause there's only a very select few races. I know Zaria races, like she races a lot. Yeah. She, you, you catch her at the Dairyland. You'll catch her at winter throwdown. She is riding a lot of races. I'm pretty sure uh, Kenzie Luker rides quite a bit. Same, yeah. Morgan, yeah. I'm not same. sure what her yeah. riding is like, if she's able to ride much right now. I know she does some training. Uh, the other ladies, I don't I don't know them very well. Um, but if I was if I was a lady in this class, and you, you just talked about them getting seat time on their bikes, 
uh, go find local races. And if you can't ride your, you can't ride your Royal infield, ride your flat track bike. And if there's no flat track races, go get a woods bike, ride in the woods, go ride moto. Uh, it helps so much to just be on a motorcycle. Like you can't just show up four times a year or however many races they have and just go out and, and do it. I mean, you can, but you're going to be behind the eight ball for people like Zaria and Kenzie and these riders who are racing a lot on the off weekends. I mean, that it's, it definitely helps. So yeah, go, uh, go find some races. If you, I'm pretty sure you can ride your infield at non BTR races. I think, I don't know the, the yeah, yep. contract rules I have to get hit up Jen Lewis. She's the manager and, and get some insight, but uh, yeah, no, I think just riding more would, uh, would help a lot of these ladies for sure going into the future. And I have one more thing that I'm going to get burnt alive for this, but I'm willing to die on that hill. I, I want to see more like the podium, um, a lot less hugging and high fives. And, and this is a professional, you know, endeavor, like let's see some like fight on there. I, I, I don't know how else to better articulate it but it's just like i don't feel like the the joy on the podium necessarily matches what they're trying to do on the racetrack maybe you can do a better job of articulating <laughs> it than i can i mean i mean i'm already people think i'm an asshole but yeah i agree i mean i uh it's cool that they all like have a lot of like admiration for each other yeah, they want each yeah, other to sure. do good but at the same breath and the same breath. It's a little, little bit friendship Island for me, but again, I'm cut from a different call. I think I'm sweep the leg, you know, like I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a different kind of person. I'm a, I don't know. I mean, it's cool, but yeah, it's very, it, a lot of hugs and appreciation, but I want, I want to see some grit. Like I want them to, you know, I, I like to see that kind of <laughs> battle with the emotions and stuff. When you know, people don't yeah. like each other on the podium it makes for really fun, fun interviews. Uh, just, I, I love yeah. that shit. I mean, I, I, that shit fired me up when somebody would say something during the week or, I mean, to be honest, I used to read Colby Carlisle's race reports with essence and they'd always come out and, um, me and Colby are cool now, but I, I would always read them and I, he would kind of like lose a little cocky in them. And I'd be like, you know what, motherfucker? Like, I know that, that was motivating for me. <laughs> People saying things would motive would, would motivate me. And honestly, me and Jesse being, as good of friends as we were, uh, as we are, it kind of like took some fire. I'm not, I mean, I still wanted to win. Like, I think, you know, me being aggressive with him at Cedar Lake showed that, but I also like, I, I was stoked for him to do well. Um, even when he beat me, I was yeah. kind of like a, it sucked. You know, I, I was, we're friends. So it was, um, you know, when I was racing against, you know, Bromley and Colby, I was, you know, I had more like I wanted to get the job done. So, uh, but anyway, it's, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, but it's whatever, it's not a big deal. <laughs> so, uh, going into super twins, Jeremy won the race. Him and Briar had a really good battle. I thought Briar had something for him maybe, uh, which going into this race, I, I didn't think Briar would be as much of a contender as he was. Cause that bike has a million horsepower and the track was slippery. So, <laughs> But again, Briar, again, I'm, I'm I'm being biased, I guess, but gosh, he is such a he figures it out. He's so so talented in what he's able to do. And, you know, looking looking through the results here, you know, two other KTMs that were in the main event, Brandon Price was 18th. He really struggled on that bike. And uh Bronson was 13th. Uh Briar, I don't I wouldn't say his bike is way better. It's a stock 
KTM motor in a, you know, a frame. Yeah, that so that was going to be my question is because I, I'm not so familiar with the KTMs, what, but I think you just answered that question about, is it considered race only or production based? No, it's production um, I mean, bike. Yeah. It's production. All bike. Right, so, yeah. I really don't think his bike is that much better. Um, I think Briar's team compared to maybe Bronson and I love Bronson's team. They're the nicest people, man. Uh, Amy and Arnie, they're the coolest people in the pits, man. I love, I love them. Um, I think they might Bronson's team, whoever's involved, maybe they've gotten better because these results have been getting better, but I think they overthink things a little bit where Briar, I don't think they throw big curveballs at the bike. I think they just put a lot into Briar, like, Hey, go ride the bike. And, we'll make adjustments mm-hmm. during the week. Like I don't see them making crazy changes on race day. Uh, and honestly, Briar's just really talented. If you ask any of these riders who the most talented rider is and talent only goes so far, but Briar's that guy. I mean, he is able to do things that is, uh, it's just incredible, but it's an also a shout out to Meese. I mean, he looked great. He was very smart. He was, he was, he was outsmarting Briar. I mean, I thought Briar showed his cards a little too early. As soon as Briar, snuck up behind Jared, he totally adjusted his lines and where Briar was going to dive off the bottom of turn four, Jared totally closed the door where Briar had to shut off. Like he was visibly coming yeah. off turn four and rolling off the gas. Cause he would have, he would have ran into him. Uh, Jared knows, knows Briar's riding so well that he he's able to capitalize on it and just be annoying to get past. And then <laughs> when they settle in, Briar makes one big mistake. Jared's so consistent. Briar just can't, he couldn't get that reclaim that gap on a track like this, where, you know, like, like Cody said here a little bit ago, it's hard to make up time or get away on a clay track where there's really not much to it. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was an interesting race. So do you think, what's your take on, we know we don't like the R word, Right. But it kind of seems as though you, cause you got the Indian that, that won. Right. But it's also Jared Mees. But then you go down the list, it's, you know, production, production, production. All right. Race only production. So there's, it kind of seems like AFT may have finally fucked around and figured out the right concoction for how to make these bikes have parity. Because I mean, Briar won on a half mile last weekend. And that was, you know, half miles and miles were the ones where they gave them a little bit back on the restrictors. Um, how how do you think? Do you see that there's finally, all right, it's even now. Now it's up to the riders. It's hard to say because, you know, they ride the riders. It's hard to take away from what the riders are doing, like good uh-huh. or bad. I mean, I think the Essence and bike looks generally the best all around bike right now, but I'm not going to yeah. take away from what Dallas and JD are doing on those bikes. They are they are two of the best riders in any mm-hmm. form of racing in America. So it's hard to, it's hard to make that, make that call right now. I, I hate the word restrictor. I hate restrictors in the sport. I really do. Uh, I think there's other ways we can go about it, but I, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, it looks like the formula is working, but I'd have to see Briar on Jared's bike and I'd have to see Briar on Dallas's bike. And then I have to see Dallas on Briar's bike in Dallas on Jared's bike and, you know, vice versa, just to see what that difference is. But yeah, I mean, I think with that being said, Dallas had a little bit of an off night. I think that was about as bad as it can get for Dallas and he still finished third. So, you know, he's, he's so, he's so good. He's a great rider. He had a little moment in uh, middle of the race. Him and Bromley had a little battle and 
Bromley kind of got caught up in his rear wheel a little. I don't think it was anything too bad. It was like a racing incident, no. but uh, yeah, but Dallas managed a third. He got by JD there toward the end to finish third. And I was kind of rooting for JD. Um, I, I like Dallas a lot. He's a super good rider, but I, I, JD's kind of, he's had a, not a tough season, but I was kind of hoping he'd get back on the podium. Just a little parody there. Um, but Dallas, Dallas did his job and got back on the podium. JD beach was fourth. Davis Fisher, I'm going to give Davis, he looked great all day. He won the yeah. dash, which was amazing. That was so awesome. Um, it's cool to see a guy, a privateer like Davis, win that five grand because not that he needs it more than like Meese, but he needs it more. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was cool to see Davis mix that up and add another winner to the dash for cash. But, man, he totally fucked his start. And that's something Davis has yeah. struggled with for a while is – is uh he's got great speed but sometimes just like a start or like a bad first lap and then he's playing catch up and he was riding really hard to to get back up there and um yeah it made for a really good race between him jd and dallas like it was very interesting so let me throw this this one out there in the super twins class isn't everybody technically a privateer except johnny and uh ryan I guess that term can be thrown around pretty loosely because, <laughs> yeah, it's privateer, but I mean, technically, I, I mean, his essence in a privateer, I mean, I guess they get like bikes, but they do all their work in house. I mean, yeah. technically everybody, I mean, yeah, you could, you could, I mean, yeah, that's a word, but I mean, Davis, his dad's his mechanic, you know, and it's, it's a very yeah. humble yeah. effort. Yeah. I know Rackley racing supports them, but it's, uh, you know, I, I would, I would call Davis like a pretty, pretty true privateer, but. Oh, for sure. Uh, going in the sixth, I'm, I'm, I was very impressed with, with Bromley. Uh, he rode yep. very, very well. He was in the mix and on tracks like that, he's, he's tough, man. He's a good rider. He's, he's crafty. He gets good starts. He's efficient. Um, I thought he rode amazing. The only thing, and people are going to say, oh, you're just a Bromley hater. It's like, no, dude, he, he rode great. Like I, I thought he had a legitimate shot at the podium. The only thing with, with that, and I don't understand, I had a few people ask me, is he grabs on the people while he's racing. Like he he does it <laughs> yeah. very, very frequently where you'll be racing, it's close, and he pulls his hand off and he'll like tap the rider. He does it a lot. It's okay to do it like on a mile, you know, when you're getting pushed wide. He does it whenever anybody's near him. He just reaches out, takes his hand off the handlebar, and like taps the rider. He did it to two or three different riders in that main event. And I just do you think that's something like competition could look at? Like, because that's like when you're going that fast, you're that focused. Like that could be startling. And don't you think that crosses into like a safety concern? Yeah, and I don't know. I don't want people to think I'm I'm hating on Dan because. I, oh, I was yeah, very, yeah. I wouldn't, I would have borderline say proud of how he rode. Like I thought he rode great, but I'm going off of like, he did it to me one year at Port Royal and I I was pissed. Like I, I didn't know why he was touching me. It's like, like, I know you're there, dude. I'm not going to push into the wall. Like I, um, and same thing with Dallas, like Dallas is such a seasoned rider. He knows you're there, dude. He's not going to do anything stupid. I don't think you need to take your hand off the handlebars and like grab on the people it's so it's just a weird thing to me to do that but hmm. um but i don't want to i don't want that to be the focus of uh of dan in this in this pod because he rode a really good race yeah that was he finished he racing. finished sixth and you know nick henderson i'm going to give a huge shout out to nick man they do a really good job with those bikes and they've come a long way and 
they're a very small team and I know Nick works really, really hard and yeah. So uh shout out Dan. That was a really good ride. Just keep your hands on the bars, bro. <laughs> That's not, it's fine. But uh, yeah, super, super good ride. And then going into uh, Jared Vanderkoy seventh, I thought that was a solid ride again. Like I, I know Jared's capable of doing better, but seventh is a good, is a good ride for Jared. Um, he wasn't too far off the mix. He looked like he was actually catching Bromley a little bit there toward the end. I haven't even looked at lap times, but he looked, looked really solid in, in seventh. Um, uh, you want to take eighth through 10th? Yeah, we got Johnny Lewis, uh, coming back to, uh, that, that LCQ ride from last to first was awesome. He gets all the way up to, uh, eighth place in the, uh, the main. That was, that was pretty cool to see. I know that, uh, he's a good rider and that he showed that he's still a good rider. And then at ninth, Henry Wiles, uh, again, I, so I said it last week and I'm saying it again. Last week was step one. He showed he still got it. Week two, starting to figure it out. He cracks into the top 10. And I just think you're going to see after a few races, Henry is just going to keep, he's going to be right back to where Henry was a couple years ago. Um, and I don't know. I'm excited to see him return to Peoria. I'm not skipping all the other races, but for him to have seat time on an Indian, get him ready. I, I think uh, it's going to be pretty cool to see him go. And then 10th place, Jeffrey Lowry again, two weeks in a row. He's looking sporty, kind of looks like he's uh, finding that, uh, racecraft again. I mean, he was part-time there for a long time and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Lowry win the horizon award? He did. Yeah, he did. So it's not, I mean, like don't sleep on Jeffrey. That guy is fucking talented on a motorcycle. So it's good to see him, uh, getting in top tens and, uh, super twins and, and showing, Hey, don't forget about me. Yeah. I thought this was probably Jeffrey's best result of the year on a track that he's typically not like, you know, he hasn't had historically great results on these kind of clay tracks. So yeah, I thought that was a good result for, for Jeffrey, uh, Wiles as well. I thought he, after watching him in qualifying, I thought he could have possibly peaked up into like the fifth through seventh range, um, ended up finishing ninth, 12.9 sec. I'm kind of, I look always, I know I'm not trying to be critical, but I look at how far they off, how far yeah. off they are from the leaders and it's quite a bit still. So I don't, I mean, a few years ago, Henry got second in the championship. I don't, I don't see him doing that. I know he's got other things going on in his life. I, I'm, he doesn't half-ass anything. Like I'm certain he's riding a motorbike and he's doing all he can. That guy's a bulldog. He's gonna, he's gonna grit out every position he gets, but yeah. I just don't, I mean, the top four guys are just so good. So, yeah. um, it'd be interesting to see how he does a Peoria for sure. I, I it's, but again, I'll just add in that I, it's I love seeing him back out there, man. Just seeing that name and the results, it's good for the sport. It's really cool. So um, going into the biggest head scratcher for me, honestly, in the super twins class was Brandon Robinson. Um, yeah. I mean, on a track that I thought he could have maybe won, definitely top three, top five on a bad day, he finished 11th um, and he was 13.7 seconds off. That's, that's a bad day for B Rob. Uh, so I haven't yeah, talked to Brandon. The last, the last couple of weeks, he's, you know, the last couple of rounds, I should say, he's been up there and, and doing really well. You know, like we talked about last week about taking a beating from the universe, uh, the last, the first couple of rounds of the season, you know. But yeah, so this was a dip back down there and uh, be interested to see how he responds. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm rooting for B Rob. He's one of my good friends. But uh yeah, that was definitely definitely not a, not an ideal result for for Brandon and their team. Uh also Ben Lau. I'm a little disappointed in Ben. I thought he could have been better um at this race as well, just because I know how I think I say it every every re rewind how good Ben is. I've raced him a lot in production twins and there's a lot of races where he finished second or third. I mean, he he would beat like handily beat Johnny Lewis or Dan Bromley or the guys that are finishing better right now in this class. So I don't know if he's just struggling with setup on that bike. If he, you know, I think some days he loves it. Some days it looks like he looks a little uncomfortable, but um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not counting him out still for a, a good result. I mean, he, I think he got fourth or fifth at the Arizona TT. So with some of these TTs coming up, I think he'll be, he'll be better. Uh, moving forward and he rides Springfield really well. So I think he'll be good there as well. Bronson a little off on Bronson. We talked about him a little bit, uh, Colby as well, a little off, um, me have, have, haven't ridden that bike. You know, we've, we've had really good results on clay tracks on that motorcycle, but you have to ride it so different than any bike I've ever ridden. And people are always, you know, why are you riding the bottom? Why are you doing this? Like, dude, sometimes you got to take what that bike will give you. And yeah, it just, it just looked like he really struggled. I haven't talked to Colby yet, um, from about the weekend, but I'm definitely curious on what he struggled with because so yeah, bummer with those bikes, you've obviously been around the pits and, and been up close, seen him up close. Is it exactly the same bike, like same chassis and, and, you know, same engine or are there upgrades <laughs> like it, you know, being a newer year or, you know, things along that nature that might throw a wrench in how Colby rides it versus how you rode it. No, it's, it's, I mean, from my understanding, and I talked to LJ and John quite a bit uh, and Paul, Paul, Ott, he still helps them with setup. He was my setup guy and he works for first impressions, but it's the same bike. It's just, they, okay. they changed around like the rider triangle a little bit. He's a taller rider. They took off, like I ran barbacks. He doesn't ride, he doesn't run barbacks. And I think, I think they might have one, like, I think he runs a, uh, I guess I shouldn't say what spring he runs, but he runs a, the spring that he rides was my stiffer spring. I would use it occasionally. Okay. And he runs, I think his softer spring would be my stiff spring. Um, for instance, like the spring that I think he uses on a lot of these tracks is like one I would use at like Volusia or tracks with a lot of grip. But generally okay. speaking, the motor package is identical. I'm almost certain to what I to what I had, but it's, it took me a long time. Like if you look at results on some clay tracks, like it took me a long time to figure out how to ride that bike. So it's, uh, you know, I think he rode it at Sonoya, but he doesn't have a lot of clay track experience on that bike, you know? So okay. I think he'll, he'll figure it out. I, I definitely expect him to be better this weekend, just with more time yeah. on the bike. So, uh, Cameron Smith, 15th, Ryan Wells, 16th, Cody Johncox with 17th. Brandon Price, like I said, he really it was really cool to see him back out there, but he really struggled on that on that KTM. Uh, things got a lot of power, and you just got to ride him a little differently. Price, he likes to uh, get on the throttle, so he was yeah. <laughs> he's a little little. It looked like uncomfortable on that bike. Uh, when you ride, when you switch brands, you have to totally adjust your riding style, and I think that's what with like with Briar, he was on an Indian motorcycle for so long, he had to really learn how to adjust and ride the ride the bike different. Um, and then Billy yeah, Ross. That's definitely something that uh, James Raspoli mentioned about Brandon Price earlier on in the day is that, you know, he was 
you know, in there doing well, but he was definitely, uh, you could tell he was aggressive on the throttle. And you know, they had mentioned that you just, at this track, you just got to be super smooth. And I don't know if that comes down to him being on the 890 Duke versus the 790 Duke. Like I said, I'm not a KTM master, but it is something that I just wondered about. Yeah. I want to give a shout out Dunlop motorcycle tires, 19 inch and 17 inch flat track tires, off-road street, uh, moto. They have oh, their tires, their moto tires. I love the MX 33. I love the, this, um, the, all their moto tires are amazing. Flat track tires are great. Just everything they have, their official tire, American flat track, moto America, they give a lot back to the sport. So if you're looking for a tire company, I mean, you go off performance with tires, right? That track track record speaks for itself. But if you're going off where you want to support a company that supports back to the sport, it's Dunlop. They do so much for, they have an amateur team. They do, they have offer contingency, which they don't have to do. Like they do these things because they care about the sport. So make sure you check out Dunlop motorcycle tires. I want to give a shout out to Jerry Stinchfield. My man, Jerry, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience, commercialroofsystems.net. Let's get into these points quick, and then we'll do a little wrap-up, and then we'll call it a day. But we got five points, Eric, separating Dallas and Jared, and Crazy. it is good. As as one of those two riders, the close points, man, it's it keeps you up a little bit at night, you know, but it's for yeah. the fans. We we like it. It's It's definitely definitely cool and going into these racetracks on the schedule it's a toss-up man i it really is like dallas has a five-point gap and briars he's pretty far back with 187 but briar could be one of these guys best friends toward the end of the year um you know and jd yep. like jd could be a saving grace for saving grace or uh you know make it worse for these riders as well so we yeah it's shaking you up. Do you have much knowledge on the remaining half miles in terms like if you compare them to um, West Virginia, we, you know, talk about like, you know, slick, super careful on the throttle. You got to be a machine it, is Orange County, Bridgeport and Black Hills a lot more tacky where you can, you know, let it sing. Or is it going to be kind of the similar um, race we just saw where uh, racecraft and not making mistakes is going to be vital? So Orange County, I call that Middletown half mile. It was actually my dad's all-time favorite racetrack. I got the race there one time after he passed away. They had a race there. And I, I actually got a tattoo on my bicep like the day before. I probably shouldn't have raced because it was the worst. It was so painful. I remember trying to race with it. It's like on the flab of my arm. And it was kind of rough, but I had to race that track and I actually won it. And Ryan Varnes got second. So I have some laps around Middletown. I call it Middletown, Orange County's. Um, and that actually in that same fairgrounds is where they did the Middletown indoors, which is where I pretty much cut my teeth and learned how to race a motorcycle was those indoors. That's pretty much oh. the only race I did every year for like 10 years was the indoors. Hmm. So I know that fairgrounds very well. And I think the track will be more abrasive. It could get rough a little bit, but it should be more abrasive than West Virginia. It's not quite as banked. It's not quite as paper clipped. I think it'd be more abrasive. Bridgeport, my grandpa raced there in sprint cars. I don't remember much about that racetrack. I think it's more red-based clay. It could be similar to West Virginia. And Black Hills gets very, if they prep Black Hills the right way, it's one of the best half miles of the season. Last year, I thought they prepped it very shitty. I'm just being honest. It rained and the track was way better. So hopefully they prep, they put more water in it or it rains because it made the track like way better. Otherwise it was a very notchy, 
slippery groove. Um, so there's some C-Tex insight on those three, but I can't pick who so much could happen with these riders that it's, it's hard for me to even think about who could possibly pull it off. I mean, I think the biggest deciding factor in this for me is Peoria. I think Jared isn't the Jared he used to be at Peoria. He sort of, I wouldn't say he plays it safe, but he doesn't go above a certain percentage there. He's, he's publicly said, I'm happy to get out of here and get some points because that place can, (laughs) that place can grab a hold of people and spit them out. So I think it depends on Peoria. I know they're both going to listen to this podcast. I think that's the, I think that is the, the deciding race. I think if Dallas finds a way to win, beats Breyer and JD, and Jared gets fourth, I think that really hurts Jared's chances. Um, if Jared, you know, if JD or Breyer wins and Dallas gets second, Jared can kind of be second or third or third or fourth to Dallas. I think that helps shape it a lot more in Jared's favor. But it'll be interesting, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Well, then you followed up with Castle Rock and I mean if we're being honest, I think and Jared will admit it, he was he was an also ran at Arizona. I mean I know he, he threw it away and got it up and saved six, but he was he was a third, fourth guy all day and um so you know you've got Peoria and Castle Rock. Yeah, well Castle Rock yeah. is it's a specialized TT where it's more of like it's very groove track and you need to get mm-hmm. grip and Jared's typically does well on those tracks. Like I think he got second at Castle Rock last year, second or third. So yeah, he's, yeah, <clears throat> sorry. He, uh, he's, I think, I think Dallas got fourth or fifth at Castle Rock last year. So, but he also had an issue. I think he blew up. I don't know. Something happened. I was very yeah, sick. He, I, uh, I didn't watch the race. I was back. At he, home. uh, he I, blew yeah. up Dan Stanley. Oh, that's right. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that was bad. That was a big crash. Um, yeah, it was. So anyway, we'll see. I, I I will not sleep on Jared to do well on the TTs. He is a very good TT rider, but with being good on TTs, you gotta be you gotta take a little bit more risk. And I just don't mm-hmm. see him. He does he knows he doesn't need to win the championship at Peoria, but I also think if he floats back to fourth or fifth and he sees Dallas somehow, if Dallas gets out front and you know he's positioned to win. I think he's going to have to, to, you know, send it a little bit more. So we'll see. Jared knows it. Jared knows what to do. He's an eight time champ. I don't, he's yeah, he's, he'll be fine. He'll figure it out. But Dallas is Dallas knows how to win championships too. It's in a different class, but when you learn how to win championships at this level, it's, it's hard. It's a hard formula formula to figure out. And it's in Briar. Briar knows how to win as well. So it's, Yeah managing a championship and winning it is is just a very challenging thing and you have three guys that know how to do it so we'll see it'd be good yep. uh going into the last part of this segment i wanted to get your thoughts on hog spoley and hannah lopa as part of the broadcast team hmm i would say that they did a fantastic job i'm gonna go split i'm gonna give the nod to Kristen. Um, I like her demeanor and her the rapport that she's established with the writers um, a little bit more than Hannah. Uh, but James uh, killed it. And I think it shows the importance of having a seasoned writer in the booth. As a fan, I enjoyed Brad Baker. I, I thought I learned a lot from him. I don't give a fuck about what NASCAR is doing or wherever Ralph was before. 
I want to learn. And when James was in there, I mean, you saw pictures of him going around the pits with a notepad, learning, and, you know, gaining insight, like that when he spotted Cole's and that's, Zavala's, and that's coming from a guy who doesn't really need the insight. Like he, he's done it and he's friends with a lot yeah. of these guys and he still was doing his homework. So I thought that, yeah, keep going. Yes. So he's, when he spotted Cole Zabala's, uh, the rear shock, uh, whole shot device, like I went and Googled it and learned about it and, you know, the Tamar device or whatever that's called. Like I went onto the website and was reading about it. I was like, oh, that's sweet. Like it just reminded me of like what was so special about Brad. So I know that everything will fall out with like Brad not being in the the booth again, but I don't know. I'll say it until they tell me to shut the fuck up that I just wish there was Scotty and a writer in the booth. So there's that. That's what I got. Yeah, I would, I would agree. You know, I like Ralph. He's, it's, he's a great guy and we get along well and it's nostalgic to hear his voice kind of, cause he was always yeah. a super cross guy and he's done, he's done NASCAR obviously. And it's cool to hear that, that the voice in the sport, but he just makes a lot of mistakes and it's, it's, it's not fair to expect more from him just because he's in there with someone with experience and being around like Scotty. And then you bring in somebody like Brad, who is very knowledgeable. He can break that, break things down, et cetera. Then you bring somebody like Raspoli, who I was cracking up. Like some of the shit he was saying was (laughs) funny, man. Like settled down Bruner. And, uh, and when Mies was celebrating, uh, Raspoli's like, Hey, he's going to knock his airbag suit off if he keeps celebrating. And uh, Aiden Brown, like cut the track it was unintentional. Like, I think he just couldn't yeah. see where he was going. He like went through the infield and Raspoli's like, I don't think that's legal, buddy. <laughs> and just some of the comments. <laughs> what do you, uh, what uh, do you say about uh Fisher? He was like, uh, fish in the uh, high line. Fish in the high line. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it was, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was I think he won a $20 bet on that one. So he had to fit <laughs> that in somewhere on the broadcast, but it, it was very funny. And yeah, Raspoli, he's great. I, I did hammer him a little bit for a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like Renshaw was like, Hey, take a shot. Every time Raspoli says a hundred percent, I was like, no way I'll be hammered. Uh, but <laughs> overall so I, did, a, did a great job, man. It was so refreshing to hear James in the booth. Yeah. Well, I'll take a shot at him for that fucking haircut. Did you see that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. He's hanging around the he's hanging around the bagger crowd too much. We got to say, yeah, him. he's so it was funny, <laughs> man. I and I shout out to him for doing his homework and walking around and feeling the track. And dude, I just it's noticeable, and that's something Kristen Beats always done very well. She walks around the notebook. Yep. She would call me during the week and ask me insider questions, and I always appreciated that. Where if you're in any sort of broadcast, you know, you do play by play, you're in the booth or you're pit side, like during the week reach out, like see what's going on with these riders, get some insight. Don't assume certain things like reach out and, and learn more about them. Like the stats aren't enough. Like a lot of these, you know, broadcast people, they'll they'll just go by these stats and stats are great. It's interesting, but get some insider like, Hey, you know, yeah, Corey had a, you know, he had a a practice crash this week or, you know, he, he was traveling or little things that people don't know about. I'm always transparent. Ever she'd call me, I would tell her everything. It's like, yeah, you know, I fucking yeah. did this, did that. And, you know, I, I was always really transparent because it's good for the sport to to get that info out there. But 
Um, I love, I love Kristen part of the sport. Uh, but I also really, really like Hannah. I think she is a, a true professional. She crushes it in Moto America. She is, uh, she did not fumble at all. Uh, she didn't have, no, obviously she, she didn't but, have like, yeah, the didn't have killer, the knowledge, didn't have yeah. the insight. Cause it's not what she does at this moment, Yeah, but you know, she did an amazing job and she, she asked good questions. She knew she didn't fumble any, she threw some stats out there and they were, mm-hmm. they were great. Like they were, you know, true good statements. Um, so it was cool. I didn't know she was doing it. It was cool to have, like if somebody would have said, Hey, Kristen's if they would have asked me, which they wouldn't, but if they said, Hey, Kristen's busy, who would you recommend? I would honestly, um, Lorette nickel. She did it. I think she did it at, where did she do it? Kurt Nichols wife. She's a really, really good. Uh, where did she do it? Uh, shit. Where was that? Was that Ventura? You know what I'm talking about? Lorette. She did the, I don't, I wasn't having, I feel like she was part of it or she filled in for Kristen. Anyway, She's a really good pit reporter, um, but Hannah Lopa, she's awesome. She crushes it in Moto America. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to uh, the uh, the additions of Rispoli and or the replacements for you know coming in and doing a, a really good job. I thought that was that was yeah. I, and to clarify, I, I when I say that I prefer Kristen, it's just because of the rapport that she has and the knowledge base that she has. And, and you're absolutely correct. Hannah was a complete professional. Like that's something that I noticed, like how her poise in front of the camera and like, she knew how to step out of the way during an interview. And, and you could see that she, that's what she does. But again, like I just preferred, you know, I, I, I look forward for, Christmas it's fine, dude. You don't like Hannah. Just, yeah. It's fine. I just say it. Like, it's no, that's like, cool. It's fine. I'm just <laughs> um sorry yeah so want to give a shout out to indian motorcycle they obviously another win for indian motorcycle and flat track they're crushing it in road racing moto america since 1901 indian motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules great lineup of bikes if you can go test ride a motorcycle my preferred dealerships i whole shop power sports in fleming island florida which is near jacksonville they are the title sponsor or presenting sponsor, I should say, of the Winter Throwdown. They've been with us since day one. And Twig Cycles in Maryland, near Hagerstown, Maryland, came on board as the presenting sponsor of the Hagerstown Flat Track Race we're doing August 25th, 26th. So uh, make sure that you, if you're in the area and you stop by those dealerships, thank thank them for supporting Flat Track. And, uh, Twig Cycles also is a sponsor of Jared Meese. So uh, I probably would have, you know, I might have been able to get more, more uh, support for Hagerstown, but Meese probably, you know, they probably probably runs them dry with his sponsorship. So, uh, no, they're they're a great dealership and they love the sport. So, shout out to uh, to Twig Cycles as well. But yeah, man, we uh, that was a good pod, a little longer than I thought. Yep. I got to uh, pack everything up here. I'm going down to Hagerstown actually right now. And when I get off this pod, we're gonna do a lay of the land with the track, figure out where everybody's pitting. It's been a while since I've been there. I need a memory refresher, and then. We got the Barber Fritchie Classic tomorrow, so obviously we're recording yeah. on the third. Um, but July fourth is the Barber Fritchie, which I'm stoked on. Man, I love that event. It's big crowd, good turnout. The racetrack is very technical, very interesting. Uh, Fredericktown Yamaha and the Rileys help put it on. There, uh, man, it's gonna be cool. It's fun. Um, so looking forward to to Frederick. I'm riding the Twin and the 450. Big single guy. Just gonna, mm. just gonna unload her and give her give her the beans. <laughs> but should it should have a good group of riders there and yeah, see if I off the couch, quote unquote, hashtag and see what uh see what we can do. 
should be good. That'd be awesome. Well, I'll be yeah. on the couch. If yeah, you, you are on the couch, not off the couch. You're on the couch. I am. Sh- I'm on the couch for the summer. <laughs> on the couch. I want to give a shout out to August 19th. We're going to keep plugging this race, Mile High Showdown, IMI Motorsports Complex in Erie, Colorado, 1500 Pro Hooligan Purse. Dave Kilkenny will probably win it, but you guys can show up and get second. It'll be a it'll be a good race from second on back. So yeah, shout out, shout out to uh to that event that'd be good man it's the day after my birthday but i'll be at pittsburgh i got a mini cup john to do so oh, be at that Jesus christ i thought we could go through one podcast and not have you say john i had to throw it in there that was forced a little but yeah it's a little oh. forced big shout out to uh, all the fans that listen I, it's so funny i it's i don't know it's funny or depressing but i have more people that come up and want to talk to me about the podcast and I do like anything to do with my racing career. <laughs> so, or, or yeah. cruise, like it's a, it's either cruise or it's like the well, podcast cruise is on sports center now. So yeah, you know. that was, that was about to be cool. They, they asked me for, per, for permission and they put him on like their timeline, like the, the major yeah. thing and it was blowing up instantly. And then I don't know if they got like, they know, had to repost it. it. So I, Cause I went to reshare it and it was gone. And then like five minutes later it was back. So yeah, but they only showed it on their, on their reels, like the grid. So it didn't, it didn't do anything cause it wasn't on like their, their timeline, but uh, I don't know if, and they had it on their TikTok too. ESPN actually posted it out on ESPN's TikTok, but then they took it down. So I don't know if they thought like a little kid zigzagging through metal poles in a basement was unsafe, but um it's so funny all the comments on his tiktok like just oh man like i had a neighbor call the cops we have a little practice track in my backyard i had a neighbor when we first moved to this house call in uh to the local cops uh because we he was out there for uh child endangerment so yeah and honestly what the fuck (laughs) it's our fucking it's the era we live in like Literally, yeah. like, oh, he's gonna scrape his knee. He's gonna get hurt. He's gonna run into the trophies. He's gonna do this. It's like, holy fuck, he could literally trip walking to go get the mail, or he, you know, what I mean, like, shut up. It's fine. I mean, it. He's. <laughs> I don't think they realize. Oh, and why is he? Why isn't he pedaling? Kids today are so lazy. It's like, oh my gosh, dude. Like, if you go on Cruz's Instagram, uh, and look at the comments. And I would, I just started like hammering people back. Like I, uh, somebody's like, there's no way he's five years old. He looks like he's seven. I'm like, well, I was there at the birth. I can assure you he's five. Like, <laughs> it's like, there's so many dumb comments, but, but anyway, yeah, the fans, man, you guys are awesome. Um, I still see podcast shirts, man. We haven't done a, sh- a shirt in a while. We should probably probably bring that back. I hate merch though. Sure. It's such a job to ship sure. them. Well, you should do it. And then- I'll pay you. Okay. You- you do it. You should. All right. You, when you do shirts for yours, do you fulfill them or do you have somebody fulfill them? Like, do I you actually them. bag them and ship? Yeah, I bag them and uh, ship. I don't want to do that. I did that. Yeah. It was a big job. Plus, I'm never oh, home. Big so if somebody, factory. Yeah. If somebody buys a shirt and I'm like traveling for two weeks and they just don't get shipped, like I, I don't, I get the oh, shipped. Oh yeah. It's just a yeah, lot. No. I don't know. Hit me I up, care guys. about. I, I care about the people that order a t-shirt. So I take a time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you guys want merch, I'm not opposed, but I, there needs to be some interest. I mean, we we always sold yeah sold a lot of shirts when we did them, and I have some really good designers that I work with now, so I'm sure we could come up with something rad. But just uh, we gotta make sure that you guys like them. I still think I have some hats too. I might have a couple snapbacks in the 
in the garage. But yeah, we'll work on that. Appreciate everybody. Uh, subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Leave us a review. It's definitely appreciated. Um, the reviews go a long way. We don't get a lot of reviews on iTunes, but it definitely helps because it, you know, it, it makes our pod more well known and it's good for us when we, you know, go to sponsors and things like that. So um, yeah. appreciate those reviews and the subscribes and the shares and the comments interact with us. Like I'm pretty good at commenting back to people that I think I am anyway. Ah, you could help me with that, Eric, but we'll, we'll comment back and try to engage with you yep. guys. We have some plans, some things we want to do in the future. Uh, we, me and Eric have been chatting. It's just, we gotta, we just gotta find time to do it, but yeah. we do have some plans in the future that we want to, we want to grow this, but it's uh it's a lot. So we appreciate you guys for, for being part of it, man. Eric, thank you. Hopefully your, yes, uh, your arm gets better. Was your arm, your leg, your, I'm just kidding. My, this, going, right? this is my leg and my ego, your leg and your ego. Well, hopefully you, how long are you out? Did they say, or, uh, I actually have an appointment in one hour, uh, oh, okay. with a specialist. Yeah. That's going to give me the, uh, the final news, but it's looking like summer. So Jeez. I got some, uh, big announcements coming for uh later in late uh late september early october that i need to heal the fuck up for so um hopefully today doesn't ruin those plans but it's gonna be yeah cool. i kind of know what you're talking i kind of you told me a little bit that's big yeah. so that'll be cool man yeah. um yeah it'll be good news so we'll we'll stay tuned to that everybody much love for tuning in and yeah we'll see you guys down the road until the next one we out all right, bro. Appreciate you, man. Let me know how your appointment goes.